0: We're back another episode of talking maiden the podcast of the beast of the beast how you doing nesbitt i'm doing good reflections version what is this four five eighteen part five the final part five
1: recap episode yes. of all the albums in the lead up to our big uh album ranking episode which yes is coming up next next friday
0: yes the the the, the build up to the final reveal we're, today we're going to cover the uh three uh three last episode there are three last studio albums which are some of my favorites
1: oh yeah matter of life and death final frontier and book of souls yeah lots to cover
0: so. with a double album you want to dive right in oh we got to do a beer first let's get a beer first yes. so
1: this one is uh the kitty viddy small batch dry irish stout yeah lovely one so it's uh 4.2 percent alcohol so
0: fantastic do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers yeah 4.2 percent alcohol
1: yeah this is a, this is a very uh, solid stout i think
0: <sighs> yeah no really good really good i gotta say i've had this before um, yeah i've it. had it before too yeah but uh, a little late for music listening but good for if you've got to drive home <sighs> okay um so where we begin matter life and death
1: Matter of Life and Death from 2006, I know. 14th studio album. So we did this episode eight and nine, which was uh, a long, long time ago.
0: Yeah, that, that's way back in the day. The episode eight it's and way nine. back.
1: Yeah, I think this is the first episodes we did with our new microphones.
0: Yeah, Gosh. you improve as you go. That's the way. Just yep. just like Iron Maiden did. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, this album, I remember when we did it, Um, we did it so fast and I was like, we were just like, yeah, this song is great too. That song is great too. (laughs) It's just like such a different perspective now. Um, you know, I, I would have, I would have probably preferred to dig into this one a lot more than we did.
1: Yeah. This was one of the first albums that we did. And at the time I thought we were going pretty deep on it, but looking back, we didn't, we barely scratched the surface, but yeah, I don't know. We, I, I didn't go back and listen to the whole episodes eight and nine to see what we actually said. So I can't really remember. That was almost three
0: years ago. Oh, we were so young, you know, so optimistic. <laughs> we had the the world was our oyster, uh, you know, just so much to look forward to. Now we're old and grizzled. And... I
1: find that these recap episodes, there's a lot of us like just saying things are awesome. <laughs> but if you want to hear us dig deeper, go back and listen to the original episodes where we really dug in and like covered these albums. So that's not what we're doing with this. We're just kind of refreshing ourselves on these albums before our album ranking episode. Yeah. What do you think of the uh, the cover art on this one now after this much time?
0: I love the cover art. Um, you know, not not really so Eddie-centric, but I just love that tank, and I think it's cool. And it's a totally—it's got a real—it's it's got kind of a different kind of dark feel. If you notice, like, a lot of Maiden covers have a, have a kind of a bright element. It's got a real kind of dark— Yeah, it
1: kind of matches the tone of the album, too, that darkness. yeah. yeah. And Eddie could have been a bit yeah. more prominent, but I really like the cover. This is uh, Tim Bradstreet did it. We talked a bit about the cover art um, back when we originally covered this album, and this was another example of you know super tight deadline they gave this guy. Um, kind of this concept and told him to, and he wanted to make more changes, but it was like a very tight timeline. And uh, I remember him saying that he wished he could have done more with it.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I've we've always reflected on this. We've talked about it at a great length. We won't go into too much detail here, but I do have a little bit of a different take on it now. Um, we've always said, like, oh, it could have been better. Um, you know, it could have been this, could have been that. It really does matter for us as fans, but that's a really cruel thing to do to an artist. I mean, imagine if you were Steve Harris and you were not happy with something and your record label pushed it out. He would be livid about that. Yeah. Yet he does it all the time to people with their art. You know, that, that, that kind of does bother me. It rubs me a bit wrong. You know, you should let people, even if they just want to touch it up a bit to own it. Yeah. Um, you, I know. Yeah.
1: It seems like Maiden is always super tight timelines. I mean, you look at all the Derek Riggs covers we've talked about. It's like these crazy schedules they put them on to deliver. And that's why we kind of complain yeah. about the later era. Derek Riggs, his works, we I think it kind of starts to go downhill around like no prayer. And yeah. I mean, I can see why. I mean, you'd get burnt out from that.
0: You would pretty quick. Easy. But, you know, it's there's a lesson in there. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, I guess you could also say that Iron Maiden, in, in some cases, they push stuff out quickly. We talked about specifically, like, No Prayer and some of the stuff in Virtual Eleven, and the way they rushed through some albums and, and some albums that were really solid, they could have done a little bit more on. Um, so maybe they just like to get things done, and sometimes you don't want to spend too much time. Done. Yeah,
1: that's true. And this album is very much, you know, when we originally did this album... I read from Kevin Shirley's Production Diary, and he said 90% first take vocals, 80% first take for instruments and guitar solo overdubs. So they're together in the studio, and this album came together really quick. I mean, the writing, I don't know, the writing happened beforehand, but once they got in the studio, it came together really quick. And I mean, that's kind of the way Maiden gets things done now.
0: And if my memory serves me correctly, I think you said this was the album where they played it almost like a live gig together uh pretty quickly and that was one of the motivations for them just taking the tour and going out and playing the whole album and
1: the energy comes through when you hear this album i love this album and that's kind of the kevin shirley method which you either like or you don't like i think it's great get into the tracks
0: starts off super hot with different world different world
1: another quick maiden rocker to open yeah this was the second single off the album and i love the song i love right from the opening riff Uh, the song's just great. A great way to open an album.
0: Amazing drumming on this too. Really great cymbal work there. I just love the way he adds. He adds so much to this too. Nico does to this to this whole album. He's really on fire to be honest. I just love it. It kicks it off perfect. Uh, it's one of my favorite openers. I say that so many times. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, he's it's my top 14 openers, and uh, you know I, I love the tone it sets and it leads in perfectly into the second track. These colors don't run, which is probably one of my favorite Maiden tracks from the modern era.
1: Yeah, I love These Colors Don't Run. Smith, Harris, and Bruce Dinkinson. So Adrian Smith, again, with a big hand in writing this one. Uh, I think this is a modern classic. Yeah. Um, maybe it's up there with being the best song on this album. It's in the discussion if you're talking about best songs on this album, I think.
0: I think so, definitely. You know, Far Away from the Land of Your Birth plant flag and some foreign earth. I just I know, love great that. Great
1: lyrics. It's so cool.
0: Yeah, very like old world colonial war theme, but also a little bit of a critique on it. And, you know, it's just a really cool, cool uh, epic. I, I, man, I, I love this song.
1: Yeah, this is the song too where when we originally did this album, we talked all about OzFest 2005. Yes. And where I kind of thought the origin of These Colors Don't Run kind of went back to a rant that Bruce did. On stage at Ozfest. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, and that's yeah. where our hatred for Sharon Osbourne started on this podcast.
0: Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, we've we've had debates about Ozzy, but I haven't had we haven't had a single piece of fan mail in defense of Sharon Osbourne.
1: No, that's true.
0: <laughs> we have unanimous uh, uh, feedback on our listeners on that one.
1: Uh, these colors don't run though. Yeah, awesome. Adrian Solo in this in the Final Frontier. Mm. We kind of talked about how. Adrian's guitar playing kind of gets very like prog rock based and I think in the solo to this song you're kind of seeing hints of the direction that Adrian's guitar playing is going to go in the next album. I think that's a great solo. Yeah. Adrian's on fire. Uh we never got to see this live, which kills me. We didn't see that tour. No. But
0: it's no going back. Man, no going it. back on that one. Yeah. I mean, I was in I was in uh England at the time. I remember I was listening to this album all the time. I remember being in Manchester when the concert was happening. I remember everyone with the shirts on. Um and specifically in the airport, because I was traveling for work. It was just full of maiden shirts and I didn't put two and two together. I didn't even think about it. I remember just going, "Wow, lots of Maiden fans." That was literally the depth of my analysis because I'd never been to a Maiden show, and you know, opportunity missed big time.
1: Yeah, and if we had our time back, I probably should have came over and we should have gone together to that show. But I don't know. It were different stages in our life. I guess it wasn't. I don't think I could have afforded to fly to Europe to go see a Maiden show at that. I time. know.
0: It's it's so funny too. You know, before when I moved to Europe, I'd never lived there before. And I used to think like going to Europe was some amazing thing that had to be planned for four years in advance, like going to the moon. It's not that crazy. It's actually about the same cost as like going, you know, to Toronto and then some. So it's not that crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's funny, but yeah. In hindsight, uh, what are we gonna do? I think I think we did justice by Iron Maiden. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Brighter than a thousand suns. Yeah, songs. love it.
1: Another killer song, man. Another Adrian written tune. It's Smith, Harris Dickinson. Mm -hmm. Adrian Smith gets the guitar synth out again. So the guitar synthesizer comes back out. Uh, All about like nuclear weapons test. Its title comes from Brighter Than a Thousand Suns, A Personal History of the Atomic Scientists. Oh, cool. Which is a book all about. uh, Yeah, I remember that. You know, codename Trinity detonation of the first nuclear weapon. But uh, the song is so, so awesome. The song
0: is amazing. Another uh, amazing guitar solo, and then a lead into a drum solo.
1: Yeah, I know the part you're talking about. It's it's not like a drum solo, but it's like just really cool fills. It's underneath the guitar solo, but it's like yeah, the Nico sounds amazing on the song. Out of
2: the
3: darkness, right
0: really cool
1: timing and drumming on this love it it's like this evil ominous build-up and i mean it's almost nine minutes and it seems like four and a half minutes
0: yeah it doesn't it doesn't feel like a nine minute epic
1: and everyone yeah we talk about adrian on this song and how he like it's an adrian written song but yannick has a very very cool solo on this uh, song too i'm gonna play it here It's a very cool, very unique maiden song for this album and in their whole catalogue, like there's nothing that sounds like this, I don't think. The timing, the riff, it's just very unique.
0: Yeah, I like it. It's deadly. So speaking of Yannick, on the next track, The Pilgrim. The Pilgrim. Which is another favorite from this album. There's so many. I mean, this is I would put yeah. this, I wouldn't say it's a favorite, I would put it in the you know, every track on this album I kind of like, more or less. Um, there are a few a few that, you know, might be B-pluses or whatever. But is uh, he wrote The Pilgrim, didn't he? Yannick did.
1: He did, yeah. yeah. Yannick with Steve Harris, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is probably the most underrated track on the album. Maybe. Yeah.
0: With us. The op-
1: opening riff just screams Yannick to me. It's a very Yannick-sounding riff. You know what i mean those little like yeah i don't know how to describe them but that that's well, that sounds like yannick to me
0: very yannick that's cool i love that with us do what you will i love that the lyric well and that actually
1: i read an interview with bruce and yeah. he said that yannick actually wrote the lyrics to the song too so oh deadly if you like the lyrics that's yannick too so
0: more yannick contribution to maiden
1: yeah it's a great rocker it moves along really well with like these melodies all the way through mm. it's kind of cool i love the pilgrim yeah i think it doesn't get enough uh, attention from Maiden fans.
0: So, so at this stage in the album, different world. These colors don't run brighter than a thousand suns. The pilgrim. If you're not rocking out at this stage, you're just your ears are broken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true. I think that's like that's amazing. And then it leads right into the longest day.
1: The longest day. So yeah. another Adrian, you know Adrian Harrison Dickinson. Uh, I read a lot online that some people aren't crazy about the song. They like don't, don't like the chorus and stuff like that. This is one of my all-time favorite Maiden songs. And wow. I think it's their best war song, even better than Dale, Where Eagles Dare. Really? It's up there with the Trooper, maybe better than the Trooper. Wow. I think I listen to it more often than the Trooper. Yeah. But the way it moves along, like, it really, the imagery it puts in your mind of, like, approaching the beach yeah. and the boats. And then there's a cool drum part where, like, it says the world's alight, the cliffs erupt in flames. Yeah. And then Nico puts these drum fills in that kind of sounds like artillery hitting. Cool, and then the Enter Hell's Gate when Bruce screams that you can like, I can picture the gates on those boats like slamming down, and the guys just charging into the gunfire. Yeah, there was a that's so
0: cool. There was a mashup on YouTube with this and Private Ryan, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. and it captured yeah. it well. That's probably half of what I'm picturing in my mind now. Yeah, so many times.
0: <laughs> um, you know, that's probably I I think that 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 battle. That day they stormed the beaches is probably the the most iconic, the best moment I would say in, in military history in the world. I would think, I don't, I can't yeah, think maybe. of a battle that I'm compares to it. I'm not a military a,
1: historian, no, so I no. can't. I'm sure there's
0: no, probably... Someone someone's going to be like, oh, the Byzantines <laughs> and the Ottomans. And, the, you know, <laughs> someone will write in yeah. with some obscure, you know, like... The just, Charge of the Light Brigade. Yeah, yeah. just like the people <laughs> that are like, the best maiden track of all time is, is that B-side of Weekend Warriors. But, um, <laughs> no, there's 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 some epic battles. It's just so crazy. And for anyone who wants to celebrate Remembrance Day, I, you know, I've, I've been trying to get people into this. Every year I watch uh, Private Ryan on Blu-ray. I miss a scattered year, but, you know, generally it came out of you know I'd, I'd go to a ceremony I'd have my popya and I always felt like you know so disconnected and now that it's moving at a living memory for people that are there um, it's uh, it's it's a really interesting way like, that movie was so amazingly well done and they you yeah, know so intense I know so I thought so in the intense.
1: theater and it like blew my mind
0: I know <laughs> it was they, they put so much work and they had such a robust team of PhDs and historians advising them that they felt they had so much more material that they did Band of Brothers and uh, you know, Band of Brothers is an amazing ten-part series also as awesome, well. Yeah, yeah so but, uh, love it. And this—I cool. song – actually watched
1: yeah. uh, the movie *The Longest Day*, yeah, uh, last Remembrance Day. So this is another example of like Maiden taking uh, inspiration from an existing work. You know, there's a book yeah. and a movie of called *The Longest Day* about this. Um, this song also one of my all-time favorite guitar solos. And when I say favorite guitar solos i'm including all bands not just iron maiden like this is a a, one of this is one of the highlights of like all music for me this is how much i love this guitar solo So that's Adrian Smith and Dave Murray, yeah. uh, and there's some guitar harmonies in there too. Yeah. Um, I could go into this again, but episode eight, I think we broke this down. Yeah, fairly detailed.
0: <laughs> you're like, uh, you're like, this is the second favorite thing in the world for me, and that includes my two closest family members. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, no, this yeah, it's another an one track. that we
1: didn't see live, but mm. I love the longest day. So mm. that's yeah,
0: one of my favorite Maiden tracks. Unreal um out of the shadows for me i love this track as well and this is probably one of the uh, tracks in the in the album that i don't love as much as the rest but that i think if anything is just a statement on the quality of this album
1: yeah it's one of the weaker songs on this album but on an album the strong it's still a really good song um it's dickinson you know written the most ballady, ballad-type song since Wasting Love, I think. Yeah. I think that this sounds like it could be on a Bruce solo album. Yeah. And on here, it kind of feels a little bit out of place. It's a good song, but I don't know. It has a cool little bridge before it goes back in the chorus, but it's kind of a simple song. Um, it kind of pales in comparison to the rest of the album. But it's still a good song, I think. I like it.
0: Yeah, if you compare this to some of the, perhaps, you know, what we'd argue are the weaker tracks on even Dance of Death or but mostly No Prayer, or Fear, or Virtual Eleven, like, you realize how much better <laughs> this is than so many tracks. I can, you know, name a hundred. Well, not a hundred, but you could compare it to two or three or four of those weaker tracks, and it, it would blow them out of the water. I I do see what you're saying, that it could be a, uh, a Dickinson solo. I find it's awesome still. And it really breaks up between Longest Day and Benjamin Brieg. So I don't know. I, I, I love it.
1: Yeah. And Benjamin Brieg. So that was the first single mm. off this album. And it's a Dave Murray song. Yeah. Which is cool. With Steve Harris. The working title of this was Billy Bunter. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Dave Murray song, Dave Murray solo. It's funny. Bruce on this, his singing on this is great. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. When this, so- when this album came out, this song was like a ten out of ten, blew me away. One of my yeah. favorites on the album. Over the last few years, this song's kind of cooled for me. Yeah. I mean Dave Murray's solo is great. Bruce sounds great on it, but I don't know. It's kind yeah. of cooled on me. I, I it's not one of my favorites on the album anymore.
0: Someone to save me? Something to save me from myself. Like this is still one of my faves. I don't know what you're what you're on, but this is awesome. Yeah, Bruce does sound yeah. great on this album. He's song. so good. Someone to save
1: Yeah, when you hear that, I mean it is good. It is a really good song. Yeah. I'm just it it just it really blew me away when it was the new single.
0: Reevaluate your like, priorities, son. This is a good song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then you're into for the greater good of God, which yeah. is another war song kind of keeping with the theme. It's the longest song on the album. Longer than The Legacy by 3 seconds, but it doesn't seem like it, man.
0: Yeah, and I don't think this is the, the best song on the album I don't think it's it's even even near it in some ways it's just it's so elevated in our mind because of the tour I like these yeah, colors it's don't, up there yeah I it's li, up there I like these colors don't run um, The Longest date for sure Brighter Than a Thousand Suns maybe and Benjamin Break even more than this song to give you how much and I love Greater Good of God it's one of my favorite yeah. parts in the Legacy of the Beast set list it's unreal the vocals unreal yeah,
1: live this song really blew us away yeah like when we saw it in uh, the legacy of the beast yeah. set list live, yes. uh, the song just completely, you know, blew both of us away. That was actually from the Manchester show that me and you went to. Awesome, That's a great song. I always wonder if they picked this one for Legacy because of the triple guitar solo. Because they have this triple solo where all three guys get a chance to have a, a piece of the solo, and I'm wondering if that had anything to do with why it was picked for the set list. Because it is cool live to see them on stage. I'll you know step up and take take a turn cranking up i don't think that's why i
0: i feel it was it was for the religious theme with revelations and wicker man and and you know all those few
1: oh that's true too i never thought of
0: that. Uh, that that that's why i think they went with it that and it's got such a good hook and to me it's an entry point into this album for anyone who loves this on the tour there's in my mind three or four or five tracks as good not that i'm not knocking this song i'm just trying to let people who love this song understand how much i think that this this really conveys the feel of the album there are so many other tracks that are just as good as this, that if you haven't given them enough time, you've got three or four Greater Go-To-Gods waiting for you in, in equivalence and in value in my mind.
1: Yeah, it's a solid album. Well, it's amazing. Lord album. of Light coming yeah. up. Uh, buried towards the end. I always forget about this song. Yeah, it's it's uh, Underrated. Yeah, it's excellent. It's, yeah. it's got a lot of dynamics to it. It's like quiet parts and intense parts. Yeah, It's got that maiden gallop in there and some crazy solos. Some, I love the
0: chorus. Some brilliant thing is awesome. Some brilliant lyrics. We are the shadows. Yeah, we are the shadows of the one unholy ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I always do forget about this
1: song, though. When I'm thinking yeah. of this album, I think where it's buried towards the back. Like, it's the second last song, and it kind of gets lost in the mix. Yeah. To me, anyway. And then when I do hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this song. This is great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, for me, it's lyrically strong. It's it's You're starting to wind down the album now. Um, it is a little bit, you know, it's after greater good of God. So, you know, you've you've already rocked out so much. Um, it's a good tune, and you know, then you go into Legacy, and that wraps up the album. These two, I would put Lord of the Light solid, and I love the vocals in Lord of Light. But Legacy for me is really a wind down. It's not a super strong closer, but that's not. It's not a bad track. Um, See, the Legacy yeah. I think
1: is one of Yannick's many masterpieces. Some of the mm. best soloing on the album. Yeah. Um, it, it's. You know, he kind of uses that template that he's going to use on the talisman. Mm. But I think he does a better job on the talisman. But where here he has, like, the first third is this acoustic intro. Yeah. And you always think of this as a wind down. But, like, it's just the first third. Then it goes into the second part that's very powerful. Yeah. The last third of the songs where it shines. This is, like, a great classic Maidens sound. Like, mm. I love this as the ending to the album. This part here at the end is... It just has such energy and it really does sound like classic Maiden to me. I think it's a great closer i love the legacy uh i do agree the intro that first third could have been cut down a bit
0: yeah it's a little bit long at the end and if if i was to to fault lord of light and legacy these last two tracks um maybe it's their positioning and and the length of them i but you know this is i'm just nitpicking i love them both this album to me is amazing you know uh, i really can't fault any individual tracks and they fit together well
1: yeah one thing with the legacy. For the greater good of God and the legacy are almost exactly the same length, and for the greater good of God does not seem very long. No, and the legacy when I listen to it seems like a ten minute song.
0: Mm.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know, but this album altogether, I mean, Dance to Death was kind of like a warm up for this, where they kind of they had some like eclectic mix of songs. And then the album after this Final Frontier, maybe they went a bit too far with like the intros and the prog rock. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is like a sweet spot where they still have that diversity in the songs and that progressive, you know, elements. But, and, but this is all, like, it works perfectly. And it's all wrapped up in this, like, war-related theme. And I've said this before, but it doesn't seem like it's just a collection of songs. This sounds, seems like a solid album with a theme.
0: Yeah, and I feel they made a real statement when they played it all together. Like, this is their third album after being back. They've been together for six years. They've been touring steady. They've had some successful, uh, they've, had, they've had two successful albums before it, but they're trying something different. They play the whole thing from beginning to end, which I think was a statement about how good their current stuff is. I think that was probably yeah. a reflection they were pushing back at, you know, every time, you know, uh, they went on a, a tour, everybody wanted, you know, live after death. Uh, and they were kind of pushing back. And yeah, I think they are yeah. confident in this album, too. Exactly. Yeah. And and to me, I think this is a gem in the Maiden discography. I think you're going to see that in my rating at the final. Um, it's still one of my favorite albums. It was when I came in to uh, this podcast. was one of my favorites. Uh, it started to get pushed down a little because we did so much amazing digs on other albums. But to yeah, now, yeah. when I look back holistically at the body of work, I, I can't put this down too far on the list. I am blaze bailey you're listening to talking maiden
2: the podcast of the beast possibly the best podcast in the world
1: next album final frontier so this was episodes number 31 and 32 yeah so the fifteenth studio album from August, twenty
0: ten. Yeah. What do you think of the uh, the Alien Eddie? I don't like it that much. I mean, I think it's it's really colorful, cartoony. It doesn't really feel like Maiden to me. Um, I do, you know, um, I do love the look on the vinyl. I do kind of like it, but it's it's. I don't know. They, they they tried something. There's just something about it. It like, but it's sandwiched between a Matter of Life and Death and Book of Souls, which both artwork I really love and is very dark. And there's yeah. this really cartoony, almost like uh, radioactive feel to it, <laughs> with yeah. the coloring, and and not that that's wrong. Um, you know, I almost feel like I wish they'd have taken that coloring maybe and, and used it in like uh, X Factor or something. But there's just something about it that doesn't feel right to me. The Eddie doesn't feel like an Eddie. It feels like it's gone a little too far. Yeah, it doesn't
1: scream yeah. Iron Maiden to me. Like yeah. if you didn't, if it didn't say Iron Maiden on the cover, it wouldn't scream Iron Maiden to me. Yes, you know what I mean. So the mm-hmm. Eddie doesn't. Scream Eddie, I guess. But, yeah. I don't know, it's kind of you know something different. The Final Frontier with the kind of space theme I guess they went with something different. So this is Melvin Grant again. Yeah. Um, I actually read an interview where he said that's not actually Eddie. But really? then we had a big theory about that, but I'm not sure what he meant by that.
0: Yeah, wasn't it supposed to be it was a mix between Eddie and an alien? We went through all that, I think.
1: Yeah, but then in the video for the Final Frontier has that eddie in it and they constantly call him eddie so (laughs) i don't know what that was all about but the album opens with satellite 15 which is kind of a weird way to open the album so it's that's just this this weird thing that adrian made on his like computer he lifted it right off his computer he did it with a drum machine adrian says he did it in like five minutes with a cheap little drum machine and Steve Harris heard it and said, that's what we're going to open the album with. And Adrian's like, OK, let's re- re-record it. And Steve's like, no, you, you get it done. we that. <laughs>
0: Typical. Russian. Yeah. It. But My I, only yeah. complaint with it is it mm. should
1: have been skippable. I don't like that it's that and Final Frontier are all one track. Yeah. Because when I put the CD on sometimes, I just skip to El Dorado because I'm like, I don't want to listen to all this.
0: Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, I can understand it. I love the opening and also I find it, it plays so well on the live disc in vivo that, uh,
1: yeah, it works there.
0: I love it. It, it well, whenever I put it on, I was just think I'm listening to in vivo, which I love that live disc almost more than this album in some ways. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, you know, I, I do like it. I get what you're saying. It's kind of got that funny. Is it really a, a, a title track? kind of feel to it and you know you, can you skip that little bit of an intro just to make sure that final frontier is a standalone track but i like it i like the way they did it. it's a little different
1: yeah and final frontier and el dorado so you have another one two punch of like yeah pretty solid maiden rockers yeah um you know they're they're el dorado is a good song final frontier is a better song i think yes neither of them i don't think are classics but they're they're good solid opening rockers
0: yeah, El Dorado, the, the, hip, the heavy guitar feel. I yeah, really love that. that's true. Yeah, it's kind of sets a theme for this album, sort of. And then, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I find it really gets you rocking out. I, I find it's a strong start to the album. I love both yeah. of these tracks.
1: Mm. And then into Mother of Mercy, which is, uh, I wasn't a huge fan of. I like it. Yeah. Don't
0: love it. It's pretty good. I think I picked this. It's one of my underrateds. i uh, got a note here for this. I can't really remember that. But I love, I love uh, Bruce in this, and I love the vocal hooks. You know, yeah. and and that's yeah. not making it. I'm not saying it's one of the best tracks on the album, but I've heard people pan this track, and I don't get that.
1: Yeah, I would never pan it. I yeah. do like it, but I don't think it's, you know, it. I don't think it's, yeah, something I'm gonna pick as like one of my favorite. It's not. It's in the bottom half of this album, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, fair enough. But pretty For underrated. Me, it's, you know, pretty underrated vocals by Bruce in this track. Yeah, but then awesome you're into moments. coming
1: home. Yeah. Which is a great ballad like this is how you do a ballad right like the last album yeah. we were talking about out of the shadows this is 10 times the song of out of the shadows if you ask me
0: oh yeah i mean coming home you can't compare it to out of the shadows this is one of yeah. the strongest if not the strongest well i know for you it won't be but for most people this might be their favorite track on this album um, yeah you know it's definitely number two to anyone who loves the talisman it's got such a cool riff where it comes in at the beginning <laughs>
1: I love that part. And then it just goes into Bruce, like the way Bruce sings it. And you know that he really connects with these lyrics when it's about like flying and coming into, yeah, coming home in an airplane, basically. (laughs) And then into The Alchemist. Yes. Or The House of Dr. D was the working title of this one. And this is another solid Yannick song. Yeah. Um, The one thing I will say about this song well, first of all, I'll say that I love the song. I like The Alchemist better than you know, Final Frontier or El Dorado or Mother of Mercy, as far as like, you know, upbeat songs on this album. Yeah. Um, the only thing about it is it reminds me of Man on the Edge a lot. And I remember I actually made a mashup of Alchemist and Man on the Edge. And when you play them <laughs> together, like, they there's a, a big similarity here. <laughs> being said even though those songs are similar i do really love the song the lyrics are great that's part of what i love about this song
0: yeah i love that yeah my dreams of empire for my frozen queen will come to pass know me the magus i am dr d and this was my house like even the way he paces through it is so ridiculous i was the keeper of the books i had the knowledge of the scrolls (laughs) (laughs) that's bang on that's sea of madness right there i love it i love this the only thing i would fault about this um and really, I'll reflect on, I guess, at the back end of the album is where is the track placement? That's the only issue. Yeah. It's like now we're at track five. The sequencing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Talisman's at eight. Isle of Avalon coming up next. There's I because the, there's not a lot of connection between some of these tracks. So you could reorganize them to get people into the album a little better. I think. I don't know.
1: Yeah. When we get to the end of the album, I'll That's discuss it. this. But I think they could actually like cut a little bit of the fat off of this album. Yeah. Uh, the next song, Isle of Avalon, is probably the slowest grower on this album. And when I first heard it, I never really liked this song that much Yeah. until I really got into Adrian's guitar playing on here. And I've played this clip multiple times on the podcast, so people might be tired of hearing it, but I'm going to play it again. This is Adrian's solo on Isle of Avalon, and this is Adrian going 100% prog rock. I always say this kind of sounds like Rush. Uh, his guitar playing here is just amazing we we'll
0: I love that. Who's tired of that? Like, who's sitting at home going, "Ah, oh, will these guys stop this guitar <laughs> will, will, solo again?" No, will these guys, <laughs> will they stop playing these Iron Maiden clips? I'm so sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, I guess. Yeah, there's way too much Maiden on this. Talking Maiden, I love this. Uh, I love this track, Isle of Avalon. It's yeah, uh,
1: it's a slow grower yeah. though. You're really got to wrap your head around yeah. it because it's a weird song structure too. It's very like progressive or whatever.
0: Yeah, there's some awesome and moments.
1: That hits right into Starblind. Yes. Adrian again, his guitar work on this album is great, and this song too. Um, I've played the solo on Isle of Avalon a whole bunch of times. This is the solo on Starblind, and again, it's very like progressive sounding. <laughs> And even going beyond the solo, like Adrian on this song, he plays these little like accents and guitar lines underneath the vocals. And that kind of is what makes the song for me. It kind of helps the lyrics like move along and it sounds so cool. Wednesday.
0: No, Adrian, yeah, this is Adrian's track. I'm gonna contradict myself <laughs> five minutes in. Um I like Starblind better than coming home. Like I do love this. I think I do too. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the vocals are it. amazing on it as well. It's just yeah. gotta it's it's classic maiden. And then yeah. and it, maybe it's also because it leads into talisman. I just my only major problem with this album. I mean, you could you could say like you, you know you had an issue with the first track and it could have been split and then Mother of Mercy's placement maybe I like El Dorado's number two but I would have gotten like Starblind and Talisman up at like three and four or four and five like I I know it sounds crazy to put them back here but there was some issues with people finding this album a little too sparse and I like Talisman and Starblind for me should be three and four because you're gonna lean into them so much that to put them at the back end of the album is I don't know it's not not where they deserve they deserve top billing.
1: Yeah, it is a really
0: long album. Like, yeah,
1: yeah, if you take Empire of the Clouds off of Book of Souls, if you remove it from Book of Souls, that double album Book of Souls is not as long as Final Frontier.
0: Sorry, say again. I missed that.
1: Final. Okay, Final Frontier is a longer album than Book of Souls if you remove Empire of the Clouds. That
0: eighteen-minute track. Wow. Wow. So this
1: is a really long album. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Is it a, is it a, it is a, yeah, of course it's a double vinyl.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Starblind into The Talisman, Uh, anyone that listens to the podcast knows that The Talisman is one of my all-time favorite Maiden songs. It's a top five all-time Maiden song for me.
0: Yeah. So my take on this is a pretty weak song. Uh, There's no real (laughs) energy in it. You know, Yannick's really kind of dropped a, you know, dropped a turd here. Not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. It should have been cut down to three minutes. No, you love this so much, and you've gotten me into it. I love Talisman. It's it's epic. Um, like, to me, it yeah. doesn't
1: get any better than when the Talisman kicks in. We're off now to see
2: all our fortunes to the land of...
0: right it's yeah unreal unreal yeah
1: i love the song i love everything about it yeah um live on the in vivo bruce just like kills this one and it made me love the song even more i didn't think i could love it more till you hear bruce do it live talisman
0: yeah uh, amazing yeah. amazing uh, track no question and your, your 40 minute version is is pretty good too
1: <laughs> that's true <laughs> so my problem with this album is you're up to up to here up to the talisman yes it's all pretty solid and then you hit man who would be king yeah i'm not a huge fan of it's okay mm. i don't really love it it has a very cool backwards guitar solo so dave murray recorded a solo. And then Kevin Shirley flipped it around and played it backwards when they put it on the album.
0: Here's my take on the numbering. If the man who would be king and Wild Wind blows, if you cut a load of time out of them, <laughs> yeah. they'd both be better tracks. But the final track, if you push Talisman and Starblind up, the final track should have been Coming Home. It would. Be yeah, that
1: would have been a good closer. Perfect
0: right. closer. It's just simple, yeah. but not only that, you got a space theme, right? It's yeah. like it's ideal, and it's a long album, you know. It fits. I just yeah. don't understand like the Wild Wind blow, like. Yeah, the... yeah.
1: Well, let's get into when the wild wind yeah. goes. Because I don't want to get right too down. deep into it, but yeah. we uh, neither of us are huge fans of it. You really don't like it. I was not a fan, but like in the last two years, yeah, I've kind of come around on it a bit more, mostly from listening to the in vivo version. Um, I think it's it's a long song, and I don't like the beginning part, and they do it acoustically, kind of. And then it kicks in and they do the exact same kind of section, but it's heavier and with more instrumentation. And I'm not a big fan of that first part of the song at all. And once it gets going after that, I kind of like the rest. The problem is that part that I don't like at the beginning is four minutes long. So you're like four, you're over four minutes into a song before the part that I like comes up. Yes. And, you know, once you get past that, have you seen what they said on the news today, blah, blah, blah. Once you get past that into the part I like, I do like it, but like sitting through four minutes, I mean that's longer than some maiden songs and you're waiting that long to get to the part that I like. I don't know. I, I've come around on some of the song but I still I, I'm still not a big fan. And it's because of that first part. My
0: know. my major issue my major issue is you know has been with the lyrics that are cheesy and you know a lot of people go at the quest for fire you know uh lyric which is which is cute in my mind and 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 can't be in good cheese this is an 11 yeah Yeah. this is an 11 minute track and it's just way too bloated there are some awesome elements in here it's not that i disliked it this is 11 minutes right this is 11 minutes on an album where talisman gets nine minutes you know and you could have made it 40 minutes I don't. I like to me. I, I just feel like you're at the end here. And the man who would be king and when wild wind blows. People can argue, Josh. Your hot takes on it are fine, or are too too tough. These last two tracks, the man who would be king and when the wild wind blows, are 20 minutes. Yeah. 20 minutes. It's like half a normal of, album. Of mediocre. Yes. Maiden. At the yes. end. At the end of an album that has final frontier, El Dorado, coming home. Isle of Avalon, Starblind, and Talisman. You like it just waters down the quality. In my mind, I'm not knocking it. I love this album. I just think these little bits, if you'd have, if you'd have taken these from nine and ten to eight and nine, reduced them by four to six minutes, tightened it up. I don't know. I mean I haven't I haven't done the, the 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 detail on it, but tighten them up and put coming home at the end, put Talisman and Starblind up at three and four or four and five. Man, this album would feel different. I think it would be better. That's just my two cents. But I mean, you know, I'm an armchair critic. I love this album still. I'm not trying to make that too yeah. too fine a point, but I just think that's that's one little thing I think they could have done to make this a little more solid.
1: Yeah, and to me it's like they open with these two pretty good rockers, but I don't think that they're like classics. Final Frontier and El Dorado. And Mother Mercy. Those yeah. three songs together, they're they're good and I really like them, but they're not classic. Yeah. They're okay. oh they're better than okay they're good songs but they're not they're solid but they're not exceptional but then you're into coming home alchemist isle of avalon starblind and talisman which is a slab of amazing amazing maiden but then you yeah you have this 20 minute lackluster attempts at epics at the end and it's like the sandwich it's like these three kind of rockers that are pretty good and then this 20 minutes of bloat at the end and you have awesomeness in the middle. But I find that the album just kind of gets dragged down a lot by, especially the last 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, I'd agree completely, except with one point. With Satellite 15, that really interesting intro, it's got the Churchill-esque, you know, "Eyes of March kind of feel going, where it really puts you into the album. It's great on the live I would agree
1: with you, though, except it's long. It's way too long. It's four minutes and 30-something seconds of what is essentially noise before they... Get to the good song, which is The Final Frontier. Four minutes and 30 seconds. That's not a Churchill-esque thing. It's way too long. It
0: is. And it, it may be, I, maybe you tighten it up. But to me, as soon as I hear that, I'm like Final Frontier. And it's got a real... It does... It is one part where I feel the theme of the album. Almost it feels like kind of alien, kind of crazy. And, and, and you know, I like it. Personally, I love In Vivo. It's one of my favorite live discs. And uh, so that really sets it for me. But I'm totally with you. and But then again this is still an amazing album and a lot of people underrate it and you really should give it a listen. Cause I mean, we've named like five or six classic maiden tracks on here. I mean, it's just, it's just a must listen to for any maiden fan.
1: I really like this album too. I, what I just said about it is still true, but I do love the album. Um, it's funny. I got an email, uh, where I was saying the fear of the dark. I like less than no prayer. And did you see that email that came in this week from, it's from Bill jr. And he said, uh, how can you like fear of the dark has a classic on it how can you not how can you rank it below no prayer ranking the whole album it's not just based on like what your favorite song is on each album a really bad song can drag an album down so you can have like a classic song on an album and if you have some like bloatedness or it doesn't seem like a a solid album that can drag it down even with some classic exactly Exactly. So that was my, he wanted me, he's like, or I can't remember what he said, but he was like not pleased that <laughs> Fear of the Dark with the classic of the song Fear of the Dark was Below No Prayer. And I'm like, well, there's enough on that album to drag it down below hey, no prayer.
0: That explains no the prayer. movement in mainland to cancel Nesbitt. But uh, let's, uh, you know, even some <laughs> of the best sports uh, best players are on the worst sports teams. Same kind of concept. Yeah. yeah. So, Book of Souls. Book of Souls, 16,
1: number 16 studio yeah. album. This was episode number 53, 54, 55 and 56. Yes. So this was uh, the stage at which we yeah.
0: realized we could milk an album and turn it into a month long. Well we, we just stopped rushing <laughs> I think is was when we got it like you know and I look back now yeah you, that's you true. Wonder, I mean if we were to do it all again, we'd probably do it by song but you know we'd be at this we'd be like now for talking maiden episode 833 Run to the hills. <laughs>
1: Yeah, if we were starting uh, now, I think we would do a song. song for episode. Yeah. And, you know, miscellaneous topics. Yeah. But, uh, exactly. Yeah, we started out, like we said, like in hindsight. Mm. Um, it's just weird because I think if we had have tried to knock, lock down everything perfect before we started, we never would have Oh, started. totally. In, in hindsight. And we lost our enthusiasm, but we are enthusiastic yeah. at the
0: beginning. and We are like, let's do it, and we just started doing it. In hindsight, when I was 20 years old and I had a beard in college, that was a bad move. <laughs> so, you know what? In hindsight, things change. Uh, Book of Souls is great. amazing. It's a really great amazing.
1: album. Great album cover. Mark Wilkinson. Mm. It's almost like a throwback to the first Iron Maiden album where it's like, it's just Eddie. Yep. You know what I mean? Front and center. Uh, and that's cool that this 16 ties back to the number one and it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I love this album cover. Yep. love the whole theme when you open up the, the vinyl with all the the booklet and everything it's really cool yeah
0: amazing amazing yeah yeah uh
1: very like when we started the podcast this was a very new album and i i know we were both kind of obsessed with this album when it came out Uh, listening to it on like i think you had it in your truck for like a year yeah i (laughs) in the i still have it in
0: there it's just lower (laughs) down in the order now
1: but uh, this was – we were kind of obsessed, and this was, like, awesome. But I listened to it through a few times this past week, mm. and, man, it's still solid. It's not one of those things where, like, the shine, you know, wears off. It's, it's still a really awesome, amazing yeah, movie. Yeah, it's
0: funny. When this came out, uh was 2015. Is we started the podcast. Basically, it came out in 2018, but we started recording in fall of 20, uh, 2017. So this was an epic one for us. I remember when this came out, you sent me emails about it. And then all of a sudden, I was on an iPhone at the time, iTunes shows up, you had bought it for me, then you had the vinyl for me, and then you had a, a CD <laughs> burned, and you put it in my truck. Like, you literally came with me and put it in there. And you were like, you have to listen and to I'm this. I was forcing you, you. I was like, because I, I was like, yeah, I remember, I was like, yeah, double album, I don't know, I'll get into it. And you were like, like you always do, you were like, no, you're listening. And then, uh, and then we, we uh, went to see it that summer, we went to see it in Montreal, and then Toronto. And uh right. yeah, and then the next
1: summer in Quebec. In Quebec city. city
0: in the Videotron Center. Yeah. So this was which is yeah. one of the
1: best times I've seen Maiden, man, in Quebec That's City. Right. I think if I could only see Maiden in one city somewhere in Canada again. Yeah, Quebec. I might pick I pick Quebec City in Canada, I think.
0: Yeah. Surprisingly we don't have a lot of listeners in Quebec City or not a lot have reached out to us, but they're such I don't know, I disagree. I we've gotten a lot of emails from
1: people in Quebec. Uh I know I've gotten into some big email discussions with people in Quebec
0: okay. But it's such a diehard metal community. Like, the French love their metal. We actually
1: have a, uh, a standing offer from a listener whose name is actually Yannick, who said next time we're in Quebec City or Montreal to uh, let him know,
0: and he'll buy us a few pints. Ooh, take it <laughs> out. Oh, they don't realize what that's going to cost them. Did they say pints? Is that a contract, Nesbitt?
1: I can't remember the email. But. <laughs> oh, man. Eternity should fail, man as an opener
0: album starts off amazing
1: as an opener like you get this as the opener which is a great way to open the album and also a great way to open the concert as the concert opener I'll always picture Bruce when I hear this now over that cauldron you know what I mean? singing with the steam and the smoke coming up
2: here is the cell of a man I it white Stand in the light. Here is the soul of a
0: man. I know. I know. Very cool. I love it. And it's so it's it's such a catchy uh tune and it um you know really gets you into the album. So the first time you listen to it, it's amazing. Right. And they even have Necropolis show up at the end, which I, <laughs> yeah, I, I just love it as the ultimate cheese.
1: Well, that comes from this being the title track of Bruce's In Progress solo album that he's writing with Roy Z. So he had five demos of songs done. This was one of them. Um, Steve Harris heard the demos and was like, you got to do that on the Maiden album. And there was another one called Nightmares too. And he said, I want that song for the Maiden album. But... uh, Bruce was like, Nightmares is co-written with Roy Z, so I can't give you that one. But I just have the soul writing credit on this one. So you can take it. We'll redo it as a Maiden song. But that's where all that Necropolis stuff comes from, from the the Bruce's concept album that he's half written with Roy Z.
0: Yeah, you figure they would have dropped it, but I guess it makes sense.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think I played a, when we did these uh, episodes, I think I had a quote from, yeah, Bruce said something about like, let me drop all this Necropolis stuff. And Steve was like, no, no, it has to do with Souls or whatever. Let's leave it in. Yeah. I don't know. You'll have to go back and listen to uh, the original episodes if you want to hear us get deeper into this. But uh, yeah, it's a great opener, Into Speed of Light.
0: Yeah, which, you know, I think if anything is is probably overrated. Some people really mention this uh, as as a Book of Souls track. Like, I've heard people say, I like Speed of Light. And, you know, I think you probably haven't listened to the album enough because this doesn't stand out for me, even though it's a single. I don't know. I'm just not excited by it.
1: It's the opening single, and I was pretty impressed with it when it came out. Um, Yeah. It's Adrian, another Adrian rocker. You can tell the Adrian songs, right? They're like the, the rocky yeah. you know, punchy short songs. But uh this is a little bit maiden rocker by the numbers. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. It's a good song and it's solid song, but I don't know, it's not
0: Yeah, uh, and I mean I'm not I'm not knocking, it's still a good tune. It's it's got great pace, but even that video is so digital, it's so it just doesn't even feel like it's you know, you can tell someone yeah. else did that. I kinda like the video though. Yeah, I know. It was fun yeah uh I don't know it's 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 I'm not trying to knock it I just think for a sing- single it's like it's not even this this album is full of amazing tracks I wouldn't even put this as it's just more a manufactured hey look here's I just feel like they put it out there but it doesn't really represent the album in some ways I don't know it's I'm not trying to knock it it sounds like I don't like this i find it fits good it's quick after turn should fail it leads excellently into the great unknown but you know I wouldn't go hey what is your favorite track on this album' oh, speed of light
1: yeah, me neither. It's no, almost thanks. like they're like, we need a quick Adrian song for the beginning of the album. <laughs> and he's exactly. like, how about this riff? And they came up with it. Exactly. And i it's mean so this...
0: the opposite of the feel of the album, too, of like these epic tracks, this double album, just yeah. never ending songs. It's a little and punchy rocker, this... though. I like I like yeah. it.
1: It's it's kind of cool. It adds some variety to the album. But I mean, yeah. compare this to like Eternity Should Fail, which just seems epic. Then yeah. you're into Speed of Light, which is like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's okay. And then, yeah. but then you're into The Great Unknown, which is another epic.
0: It is amazing, or it
1: feels epic. Anyway, it's uh, I love the yeah. Unknown. The intro, everything about it.
0: Yeah, never ending the desires of men. Yeah, <laughs> love I love it, know. man. This is so great.
1: This one live on the Book of Souls tour kind of blew both of our minds. Remember? Oh man, such so a great amazing. song. Yeah, yeah. And then into the Red and the Black, which is another top five Iron Maiden song for me. I think yes. this is a modern day Iron Maiden masterpiece. And I know I hear people online and they're like, it's repetitive and the double chorus and the, you know, it's just people say it's too long. But uh, I I dissected the song to pieces and the whole structure of it when we did the episode and explained all the reasons I love it. It's everything I love about Iron Maiden in kind of a new package. And I can't say enough things about the Red and the Black. I don't want to get too far into it now because I went so far into it on that episode. But this is the best song by far
0: on the album to me. It's everything you love about Iron Maiden in song form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I love it. It's it's like thirteen and change uh, minutes long. Uh, I, one thing I found about it, um, because with with Maiden, even though I had the CD in the truck, or with this uh, album Book of Souls, I had the CD in the truck, and I, I I had the vinyl. I don't listen to it on vinyl a ton because a lot of disc changing, and I listen to it digitally a lot. Um, I thought for a while this was two tracks. And yeah, even I though see it that. had yeah. I was like, why are they mentioning the red and the black again in the other track? And then I and then when I remember, I remember when I looked at it, I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, because it just feels like it's it's so long, but it, it works. It's amazing. It's it's probably the best track on the album.
1: Yeah, and when I first heard those there's some transitions in there between certain parts of the song. And I remember they seemed a little uh, out of place when I when the song was new to me, but the more I listened to it, like I just love the song now. And live this was one of the highlights of the show. Uh, singing along to this song in Quebec City was like insane. Oh, 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 oh. yeah, the audience participation in that part, it's, I don't know. Everything I want in a Maiden song right here. Solos, melodies, (laughs) (laughs) sing-alongs.
0: Good times, camaraderie.
1: (laughs) I always say, like, if Empire of the Clouds wasn't at the end of this album as, like, this 18-minute song, this is the epic everyone would have been talking about when the album came out. Like, Empire of the Clouds is 18 minutes. It's only four and a half minutes longer than this. Like, this is 13 and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, I think this would have been, like, the what everyone was talking about. Like, oh, my God, there's a 13 and a half minute long epic. On, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it got yeah, overshadowed this... by Empire of the Clouds by its length, I think.
0: Yeah. I wish yeah. I, I knew, like, a, a child of someone who perished in the R101 who could call in with a very heavy old lady with a British accent and tell you off for knocking Empire <laughs> of the Clouds. <laughs> Nesbitt, that story is of great value. You know? <laughs> So I don't know. We're, we're on the opposites on this one, buddy. The R101. Amazing. We'll get to that when we get to it. The when the river runs deep. Yes. There's some awesome vocal hooks in this, too. Like, you know, I just love when the river runs deep. This I, is another really, really yeah. great, great song. Yeah.
1: Adrian again, right? And the intro riff is very, like, Moonchild-like.
3: moonchild <laughs> like
1: that's a really cool riff and i love the uh, like the ascending and descending bruce vocals over that part and like it's just about to kick in there and oh man i love this song love the song i love bruce's singing on this song too
0: yeah there's some amazing bruce vocals like coming out of the chorus there's just some really awesome stuff throwing a clip i just want everyone to hear this
1: now we're
2: to hide, going nowhere take my chances and stand by
1: thing i love is it goes from like balls to the wall rocking out to it has this cool groove where the timing changes up yeah and uh, it's a cool effect it kind of gets lost because it's sandwiched between the red and the black which is one of the best songs on this album and then the book of souls which is i know i just said the red and the black is maybe the best uh, song on this album but maybe the book of souls is.
0: (laughs) yeah and that's where it goes balls to the wall to balls to the ceiling (laughs) (laughs) which is just really hard to do when you think about it. Like, you know, even with a (laughs) ladder book of souls,
1: another masterpiece by Yannick. This is one of the best maiden songs of the reunion era. I mean, Yannick can like hang his hat on this, like until the day dies as a major milestone in maiden. I think
0: (laughs) might even be, might even be, and I'm sorry, power slave to say this might even be the best title track.
1: Yeah, it's maybe so I'd have to think this through, but yeah, yeah I, it could be. I mean, it, it really fits the whole theme of the Book of Souls. This intro riff, it kind of has the feel of this whole like, Mayan theme that they're going for, and this sounds Mayan to me. I don't know exactly what that means, but when I see the cover and I see the art and I hear this riff, it all fits. <laughs> And Bruce on this is insane, man.
0: Yeah, Yeah, he's unreal. He's unreal. And this is so great live. This is definitely in the top nine title tracks.
1: (laughs) The prophecy of sky gods, the sun and moon, like the whole lyrics Yeah, and the way Bruce sings it, like his voice is just insane on this. Yeah, Bruce, on this man, mm, and considering he just had a tumor removed from his throat.
0: Yeah, we were we were not sure. I mean, when was that? That was 2014, 2015. was it? That that happened. I can't remember. Anyway, I, I know that everyone was like, "Oh, how's he gonna come back?" Is he? He was so good that no one even talked about it. Like, if he was missing a beat or eighty percent, people would have been like, "Oh, wow, he's still great! Isn't this amazing that he survived and he came back and he's still good, guys?" But no one even mentioned it because he was as good or better than Final Frontier. Like, I mean, he's amazing and he had, you know, I think what happened was they removed his his tongue was 99% perfection and the cancer got in the 1% that wasn't good and they removed it and made him superhuman Bruce tongue. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's the only thing that I can explain to me. How in the F do you, you know, you're Bruce F and Dickinson and then you would get cancer in your, in, your, in your tongue and you come back and you sound like, like, what is, this guy is Superman.
1: I know. Well, yeah, on the album, he still had it. But then when we saw him yeah. live, it was post and I couldn't yeah. believe his voice. Me and you, there's a couple of times during those Bookish Souls shows where yeah. we yeah. turned to each other and we, were, we just couldn't believe his voice. We are like, wow.
0: I know it's yeah. like if you have got cancer in your eyes, and people would be like, "Hey, can you see it?" Be like, "Yeah, I got to fix." Now I have night vision too. Whoa, you know, <laughs> it's unreal. I you, you listen to it, he's perfection. His breathing, his pacing is amazing. Yeah, like Bruce everything is a about f- it. Force of nature. He's yeah, unstoppable. And, and then the tour. I mean, remember on the tour? Yeah, I remember you saying to me before, you were like, um, "What's it going to be like? What's it, you know?" And I, it was just unreal.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this song, "The Book of Souls," the title track, centerpiece of the album. I mean, yeah, this is a great song, and the, the the part that drives this song home is it turns around halfway through, and you get this very maiden-y part towards the end, which just goes and goes, and it's so awesome sounding.
2: Tonight, I will
1: Like book of souls man
0: and the, the crescendo of that sign that you just hi- highlighted there the the way they're all up front line it up and, and when they're doing it live and you know yeah the backdrop it's like the peak of the tour yeah uh, eddie comes out it, during that yeah, song. yeah it was awesome
1: yeah and then into death or glory
0: yeah which could easily also be one of the best tracks in this album
1: right so you death know? or glory and speed of light adrian and bruce had these two written together and then brought them into yeah. the band um this is, like, up there with Ace's High, Tail Gunner, you know, the same don't kind know. of uh, classic Adrian, classic rocker.
0: The only thing about this song— theme. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about this song, I, I kind of love it, and I kind of also love it, is the Climb Like a Monkey stuff. I love it because it's oh, funny yeah. and it's so Bruce, but I kind of dislike it in the sense that I hope people don't think it takes away from what is such an amazing song, you know?
1: Yeah, because it's a direct quote, and we talked about that when we covered it originally— uh, mm. it's, a, it's a quote from the Red Baron. So uh, yeah. he said that his plane could climb like a monkey. So that's, you know, where it came from. But yeah, yeah live, it turned into such a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: Bruce doing it, like yeah. with his arms. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, this... I,
1: the only thing about Death or Glory is I think the chorus is a bit weak. It's this great riff. It's a great verse. But then when you get to the chorus, I feel like it's a bit of a letdown. Slightly. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's the price you pay. <laughs> <laughs> I love this and, track.
1: Then into shadows of the yeah. valley.
0: Yeah. which is Yannick and Steve yeah. Harris. Yeah. Good Yannick track. Lots of good uh lots of good solos. I like it. Um for me, this is like the point I love this track, and it's the point at which the album after this starts to, to go off the hill, so it's kinda like a little bit of a I don't know, <laughs> sad moment in the album. I love it though.
1: There is I love it too. My favorite part is there's a little trooper-ish kind of hammer-on yeah. riff. After the chorus. Every time I hear that, I'm like, that sounds kind of like classic Maiden in, in a new setting, kind of. But this is a very solid song, too.
0: Oh, unreal, yeah.
1: And then you're into Tears of a Clown, which gets a bad rap, but it's a very good song. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just kind of, uh, it's a bit of a lull, and it doesn't fit on this album that well.
0: Yeah. It's, and that's part of what people don't like about it. Th- this is where it kind of loses me, because this album really has such a great uh, kind of theme. You know, the whole Mayan Empire, Aztec, Incan kind of South American thing going on, which is a real... Uh, had, you know, had a real nod to the huge fan base in South America, all the great artwork, uh, the, the Eddie that's really kind of iconic. And then all of a sudden, you end the album by jamming in, you know, basically track three and four on the second second album, Tears of the Clown and Manosaurus, a bit like depression and suicide in a sense. And they they both like are disconnected but connected in theme. And then you have, you know, the R101 Empire of the Clouds, I, I like which I like, but the tears of the clown you know the whole robin williams connection i don't know and and i think i talked about it in the album i won't belabor the point but you know this his his he had a a serious condition uh louis body dementia and uh you know to his wife wrote a really passionate letter about it i, th- I felt like you know there's a lot more to that story i, I don't know i just didn't like that and and I don't know. I, I just don't like that whole theme. I think it, it takes away from the album and uh, these two tracks. I go back and forth on them. First, I loved Tears of the Clown, Didn't Like Manasaurus. then it flipped. Now I'm at the point where neither one of them I really like. I don't dislike them. They're objectively good songs. I just I don't feel they fit.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, having them mashed together here on the album, it's kind of a, a dip and a lull yeah. in the album. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Adrian and Dave's guitar solos on the song are really great It's just, why would they put these two songs back to back? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Tears of a Clown, I remember Live, it came off pretty good too. And like, it has great solos. It's a good, it's a solid Maiden song. Yeah. I'm wondering if we feel the way that we do about it because it followed by Man of Sorrows. Because Man of Sorrows, again, it's just this dark kind of theme and sound. And back to back. Yeah, there's a lull. The album just takes this like energy, gets sucked out of it with these two songs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's unfortunate. They're both good songs and, and some people are going to write it and say, oh, you're hard on it. And you know, if you love these tunes, great for yeah. me, it just, I don't know. I, I, I just don't like their placement here. I, I, I would rather it was just one of the tracks, either one they picked um, so that the whole concept wasn't belabored. I don't see how it fits into the theme of the album. And you know, if anything, one of the complaints about this album that some people have, not me, is that it's long. And, I mean, you know, it sounds like I dislike these tracks. I'd still give them 6 or 7 or 8 or, or out of 10, maybe an yeah. 8. I, I like them. I can rock out to them. It's just they're the weaker part of the album for me uh, on, yeah. a, on an album that I rank as one of my highest.
1: Like Man of Sorrows, my favorite part is, like, the outro, that last 30 seconds. It sounds really, like, spacey sounding. <laughs> i think that's very cool i think they should have done more with that kind of sound yep. you know what i mean it's uh it almost sounds kind of Seventh sunny that little part i don't know how to yeah. describe it but uh yeah it's a bit of a lull and then you're into empire of the clouds yeah so which bruce wrote it on a piano it's a first for maiden yeah um i know you love the song
0: i love it i love it i love the we have the uh you know, the record day single we played, the there are a couple of covers of this. I think there was like a Brazilian orchestra or something. I'm sorry to butcher that now, but we played that on the podcast. This is just an epic for me. I I love everything about it. I love the story in it. I love the way it builds up. Um, I just, so, so much great stuff in here for me. I, I, you know, 18 minutes, I don't care how long it is. (laughs) I just absolutely love it. I still listen to it. I never go past it. Um, you know, I, I can't say enough good stuff about it. I think, I, I'm not sure if I named this at the time, but Loudwire.com named it the best metal song of 2015. Did yeah, they? well, that's what oh. I've got as noted here. I mean, I should look into it again, but apparently. And, and you know, it's it's well-liked by a lot of people. It's, it's a great track. It's, some people think it's kind of a campy thing. It doesn't really fit in the album. It could have been like a B-side. I've heard all kinds of arguments, but I like, I'm a fan.
1: I think it fits on the album, and I do like it. When this came out, I loved it and listened to it over and over again. Um, I don't know I'm not a huge fan of this one anymore. I, I find it it's like a novelty song or something where I got a big kick out of it and I loved it and it has a lot of good riffs and it has a it tells a good story. I remember I really got into it cuz I played this in the car and my daughter got like obsessed with the lyrics she heard. Yeah. She wanted to know all about the R101 and see pictures online and learn all about it. Yeah. But then the song kind of like I don't know it's it's shine kind of faded and other than listening to the book of souls all the way through recently i haven't listened to this i like never have the urge to go listen to the song i don't know and even when i'm in the car and it comes on on a shuffle or something i a lot of times i'll skip it i don't know it just it didn't it didn't stick with me i think it's a great song and it's cool that bruce did it i like that it's on the album because it's uh you know at the time we were saying this could have been the last maiden album and it would have been a cool way to end their whole you know discography Mm. with the song but uh, I don't know. It, it didn't. It didn't last with me.
0: Yeah. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. I love it. It's it's okay to be wrong. <laughs> don't worry about it, Nesbitt.
1: So this is one of the best post reunion albums for sure. Uh, yeah. Red and the Black and Book of Souls alone are worth the price of the album. A little low there with like an the energy dies there with Tears of a Clown and Manasuros, but I don't know. This is an amazing
0: album. And it buck, bucked the trend so much, right? Like these long epics in an era where everything's moving in the opposite direction. This custom themed double album. They bring out the tour. The tour is so dominant with this music. You know, six of the tracks off this album, which are all really long, dominating the set list. And they go out and they just they just absolutely sell out everywhere and and do a second tour. And it's just it just like proves how awesome they are. And uh, if, if the next album that they release, if they release one, I hope they do if it comes anywhere near as good as this, then it will be a success.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Like this album, you have the red and the black when the river runs deep and the book of souls, which is three songs in a row in the middle of this album. Those three songs add up to 30 minutes. Find me, you know, that's as solid a slab of Maiden as anywhere in the catalog. Like find another album that has 30 minutes that good. I mean, I'm sure you can. Yeah. But I mean, this is up there. This is really solid. And if you're looking at you know these older Maiden albums that have like eight songs on them. You have thirty minutes here of like classic, new classic Maiden. Yeah. Unreal, one yeah. of my
0: favorite albums.
1: So that's the last three albums. I love all these albums. The other thing is we're talking about like we're criticizing some of these songs. Saying I mean, this one's a little weak and this one's whatever. The weakest song uh, that we talked about today, I still love. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm saying I'm, it's a I, it's a different categorization when you're talking about. Maiden songs. If I'm yeah. like, this is kind of a weak song, or this is like a seven, this is probably a 10 out of 10 song by any other band. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, a weak maiden song is still uh, pretty awesome. So I don't want people to be like, oh, he doesn't like Speed of Light because Speed of Light I love. I'm yeah. just comparing it to all these other songs, it drops down. It's a yeah. different scale you're rating on with Maiden.
0: Yeah, it's funny. It's yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. I mean, even all three of the albums we did today, I don't even even with Wild Wind Blows. I don't think there's a track on here that I don't like. Whereas I can say that there are tracks on Fear, No Prayer, and Virtual Eleven that I do not like.
1: Yeah, I yeah. don't think
0: I could say that on any three of these. Yeah, I agree with that. Maybe even Dance of Death. But uh, yeah, and Unreal albums. Um, we're so lucky to support a band that their 14th, 15th, and 16th album are this good. I mean, just think <laughs> of that. Just think know, of it. No crazy, one thinks eh? about it. People are like, oh, you know, uh, Kiss, Priest, you know, all these. Like, man, you're this recent, this good, there's very, very few bands doing this. There's nothing like it. They're, yeah. they're, they stand alone in the quality over such a long tenure. And the fact that we have to nitpick one or two albums out of 16, which people will write in and say they're their favorite, that they're that good. I mean that the the quality of Maiden is just their their body of work is so good and so consistent and and diverse. I mean it's yeah. just it's a rarity in music.
3: Yeah,
1: no, it's it's a great band to to do a podcast on this for
0: sure. So uh, yeah, next week sure. the ratings. Yeah, when are we going to announce our uh, Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande podcast? <laughs> I'm waiting on this. Let's I might have
1: something uh, in the works for people to listen to but uh, i'll get into that later yeah (laughs) yeah i'll just say if you like my deep dives on music there's something else coming i know all right right. uh this is a good beer stout i finished drinking this a long time ago but
0: uh fantastic i loved it yeah Yeah. another awesome
1: kitty viddy beer
0: so we've got to do our rankings of the episodes next uh week and then we're one week to... to finalize yeah, I have a week to finalize. Oh, yeah. dear. And then um, then we're going to have a send-off episode. Then we're going into uh, going into stasis. Hibernation. Right? We're going into kryptonite. or No, no, carbonate. Carbonite. Kryptonite. All <laughs> right. If you want to get in touch with us, go to talkingbain.com. All the details are on there. Until next time, up the irons, down the house.